Hi, welcome to Talking Contemporary, where we will hear directly from artists and creatives from Southeast Asia as they share about what it means to make art in this time and the challenges and encounters along the way. I'm Bianca Winata Putri, curator, writer, and researcher originally from Jakarta, Indonesia, and now based in Melbourne, Australia. Do you know that feeling of being fully immersed in the process? Of being in the flow, whether it's creatively, like when we're writing, drawing, or dancing, or even running, or going for a hike, or cooking? We can find moments of absolute freedom in the process. Art making is so much like that for Cambodian artist Sopip Peak. Sopip is widely known for his large, immersive bamboo and rotten sculptures. For a bit of a background, he was born in Batambang, Cambodia in 1971, and he moved with his family to the United States when he was 13 years old. In 2002, after receiving his Bachelor and Master's of Fine Art in the States, he returned to Cambodia where he began working with bamboo, rattan, burlap, beeswax, and earth pigments gathered from around Cambodia to make sculptures inspired by bodily and vegetal forms. You could probably tell from this introduction that he is obsessed with collecting and experimenting with objects and materials. In this conversation, we talked about Sapif's art-making process of starting with an object and allowing for its possibilities to grow and expand into form in his sculptural works. We also talked about his very first sculpture, titled Silence, which presents almost like a skeletal form of an interconnected pair of lungs woven from rattan and wire. It's such a rich and inspiring conversation about process, labor, and finding freedom in making art. Hi, Sopip. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. It's wonderful to connect with you in this space. I'd like to kick off our discussion from your beginnings as an artist. When did you start being interested in art and, I guess, decided to become an artist? Um, okay. Um... First of all, I was I was in love with art from very young since I was in a refugee camp in uh, Thailand. But having been the oldest son in a family with uh, a total of five siblings, including myself, I have four siblings. I guess I'm the I'm, I'm the first um, the firstborn. My father would have nothing to do with me being an artist. And so I um, convinced myself that I should have been a, a scientist or, or someone um, important. But in my university years, uh, in my sophomore year, I decided to take a painting class because uh, if, you know, I, I said to myself, if I don't, take this class now, I will probably ever will. Uh, once I walk into the class, the teacher said, you'd have to be an art major to take a painting class because painting class is not a hobby. And we have a lot of students here and we give it to art majors only. So I say, well, okay, uh, save my seat. I'll come back tomorrow with an art major degree for you. So I went that same day to uh, the registrar and um, after some half an hour of 
deliberation, let's say, um, they allowed me to change my major to uh, fine art, um, and uh, and that that was it. I walk into class and I never look back. I I started with painting. I had some amazing teachers. I'm for, fortunate to have been uh, living in a small town called Amherst, Massachusetts, a big university, but uh, I had um, my professors were, um, let's say, the older generation of, of artists, and they guided me through um, the, 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 the rest of the years in, in Massachusetts, and then they advised that I go to Chicago, uh, the School of the Art Institute. Um, unfortunately, I got accepted there. And again, I, um, I was able to just uh, stay in school as long as I could. And, uh, and then I spent the rest of my life later trying to figure out what it was about art that I was going to make. Incredible. Uh, th- that's such an excellent story. And I feel like um, that journey of being really courageous and finally going forward and never looking back is so admirable. Uh, and I also am interested into, you know, you started with paintings and then you move on to um, sculptures. So what was that like? What was that shift like? And why did you decide to um, move to sculpture or create more sculptures in your practice? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because um, I made paintings when I was in the U.S., I think if I were to look back on it in a more surgical way, if you will, um, I think that life in the U.S. for me was very compartmentalized, uh, such as, you know, I had to make a living, uh, so I had to hold jobs. I didn't have time uh, to walk around and think about what it is to be a painter or an artist. I just, again, just, I, I'm just, I'm seduced by art. <laughs> um, and I wanted to be an artist, but being a painter was automatic, you know, because that's what I learned. And I thought that it gave me all the tools I need, I needed uh, to create art. So I always thought of myself as a painter. And I think my eyes now is, you know, I, I still see through my eyes or lens as a painter, you know, everything is, Everything is compositional, everything is color, everything is form, everything is shape, lines. So all the language in painting is, is, is in me, you know, like I didn't change as, as a person. Um, in that way, I, I change in my activity uh, to sculpture totally by accident. Um, it was, you know, when I came back to Cambodia at the end of 2002, uh, I struggled on with painting for about two years uh what i mean by struggle is that um you know painting has a huge amount of history behind it and some history in cambodia in terms of uh, uh, modern uh painting uh we don't have classical painting in a way that in the western world or in other countries in, in asia do uh our history in painting is very 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 short it, it t- took place around two decades, you know, the 60s and the 70s. Um, But the history of painting in the West is very, very long. And so, and it has so many movements, it has so many great, great thinkers and artists and 
and what have you. And uh, so coming back to Cambodia, feeling very small, obviously, because Cambodia is physically, <laughs> the country is very small. And uh, in my mind, Cambodia is also very, very infant, you know, in terms of psychological and historical development in terms of, in terms of arti artistically, you know. Um, so we are like babies, you know. So, uh, and I'm not discounting, obviously, the, the great, you know, builders of temples and, and monuments and, 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 and that we have an amazing and, and some say maybe the, one of the richest history in, in all, of the, all of the world. But in terms of contemporary living and contemporary thinking in, in art, we, we don't have it. So what was I going to do as an artist, you know? I come back here with my bag of, of education and what am I going to do, right? And um, so what that did for me was it, it, it forced me to, first of all, drink a lot and smoke a lot and spend a lot of time on my own in a, a locked in a room because who wants to deal with me, you know? Um, but I just realized like, wow, what am I going to do now, you know? Like, what is this painting? What is this illusion I'm making, right? What, what is this story I'm trying to tell? What, what story? What, 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 what one issue will I pick among this myriad of a hundred issues that faces me every single day? And finally, I realized, look, um, you just need to do something with your body. You just need to do something physical and basically go to work like everybody else, you know? Um, I can't sit there and, 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 and worry about stuff if I'm working, right? So I look at it like that, like when I encounter sculpture, and I have never made sculpture, not a single one in my life, you know, up to that point. I didn't even know I was going to make a sculpture. Frankly, I was, just, I was just trying to make a form, you know, but I think uh, the labor of, of making that very first sculpture, it's called silence, uh, which is a shape of a pair of lungs. That's my very first sculpture. So when I started making that, I felt alive. You know, I felt like, oh wow, I'm I'm cutting, I'm sh I'm shaving, and I'm uh, tying wires, and I'm bending the rattan, I'm making a shape, I'm making a form. I feel like it feel like as though I'm making slingshots, I'm making marbles, I'm making toys. You know, I'm making fish hooks, I'm making arrows, I'm shooting birds. <laughs> You know, like I feel like a little kid again. And, and so I, I, I cover a lot of territory with little, that one little sculpture. And, and again, I didn't look back. I just went with sculpture and it got bigger and bigger. And I felt very comfortable with that because sculpture was to me an activity. It wasn't like I'm trying to solve any political issue or any psychological issue, historical issue. There's no issue in my sculpture, you know. And, I'm just trying to make a form that is based on something in my little doodle that, you know, um, that I get from medical uh, dictionaries. <laughs> so it's like, okay, a stomach don't have any political agenda. That is great. You know, um, you know, a womb don't have any political agenda. Fantastic. Let's just make a womb, you know, like how do you make a womb that look like sort of like a womb? How do you make a stomach that looks like sort of a stomach, but then just go through the process? So that sort of the long, you know, the long and shorts of the story, I suppose. Yeah, incredible. I, I do think that this, uh, your almost kind of organic and 
intuitive approach to sculpture making and to the use of materials um, really shows in all of your works. Um, I do have a question about how do you visualize or imagine form in your sculpture? Um, how do you select what to what kind of form you'll take? And I, I kind of want to uh, share a little bit of a quote that you shared in a, in a uh, recent talk that you said you said that if you have enough materials, eventually they will suggest or tell you what to do with it. And I thought that was so striking. Um, could you expand further on this? Well, okay. So first of all. I believe um, we are attracted to things. Um, uh, we collect things, we look at things. You know, I'm attracted to paintings as I am attracted to sculptures. There's reasons before that. And it's, the reason is because you're from a certain place. You have a certain amount of knowledge, hopefully. Uh, I think if you have knowledge, then knowledge leads to other knowledge, you know. Um, in Cambodia, we recycle things. We don't throw anything away. I mean, I collect bottle caps, you know, like I, I collect like um, colored bottle caps. I don't know. I have thousands of it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But I feel like, okay, if I can't put people don't put value on, on these things, but I can choose to, you know, um, because other people put value on things that I don't put value on them, you know. And so I thought, oh, this is kind of an interesting thing to maybe uh, start collecting and start considering, you know, and like, okay, how do you, how do you present this in your work? How do you make it work for you? Plus I'm one of the cheap artists. I don't really spend a lot of money on my materials. <laughs> so, so it's uh, like the cheaper, the better, as long as it doesn't fall apart, you know, and if it does fall apart, I just use resin or something else to fix it together. So yeah, your, I, your question about where do shapes come from? Um, it, it come from everywhere, everything, you know, um, it come from pictures in, in, in books. It come from songs, you know, it, it come from a piece of sticks, you know, that I find on, on, on the road. Um, I'm always asking like, what can this become? You know, like what can something like this become? And what if you combine them together, you know, and sometimes you don't, you don't know how interesting that sculpture is until like five, 10 years, you know, from when it's finished, you know. And so you're learning a new thing. That's why my work is like circular. You know, I don't really have a, this sort of vertical evolution, you know, like a, I'm not trying to be an abstract sculptor, you know, like, oh, I, I think I'm more like a, like a circular, I'm like my dog chasing its tail, you know, I, I don't really progress. That's so interesting. I, I do find time is such an important component in your work, which, which comes to my, my next question uh, would be, you know, how, it looks like this circular, um, not not making any progress because you also work in, in series, um, which I find really interesting and really compelling. Um, I guess my next question would be, and I'm hoping I'm phrasing this correctly because I'm sort of thinking as I'm asking, um, how would you know when a work is, is finished? especially when time is so stretched in your practice and you um, it's it's more of an organic intuitive um, sculpture making process um, how would you consider a work being done or do you not consider it done at all and it's always a continuous process good question um no I do think a work is done when it's done <laughs> you know, to kind of have to move on um you know it's 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 you just kind of trust your intuition, you know. Um, I'll, I'll answer it another way. I mean, 
I think the work that I know is done is when it's it is satisfactory. You know, um, it comes to a point where like, yeah, I don't want to do anything else to it. You know, uh, I think freestanding sculptures are a bit more uh, conducive to that kind of thinking, where like you add one more thing, it's it it's not taking it any further. It's just taking it backward, right? So. I had an experience early on with, with that very first sculpture I told you about when I first made the sculpture. And in fact, that, you know, silence, uh, that, that sculpture was not meant to be bare like that. It turned out that, that leaving things bare was like the theme of my life, you know, like <laughs> it totally dictated everything I've done since then. But that sculpture was supposed to be, uh, it was supposed to be wrapped up with cigarette, uh, cigarette packages that I that I was collecting all over Cambodia. In fact, I collected thousands of cigarette packages on the street, you know, like, so like they are worn, they're washed, you know, uh, in the rain, in the flood, whatever. And I, I go collecting them. And then I, I meant to actually wrap them up in these different cigarette packages. Cause at that, you know, in 2000, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, at that time, the, we have so many cigarette brands in Cambodia. Like you can find Uncle Wat brand, you can find Apsara brand, you can find Hatnoman brand, you can find Bante Srei, you can find, like, I mean, you name it, all the iconic temples and pagodas have their own cigarette, like the people just put cigarette, use them as cigarette brands. They don't do that anymore, I think. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. But say if you, if you add more, it clutter things up, you know, like it, 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 you, you feel it like I'm, I'm, I'm a physical person. So I work. So when I, when I cover up the pair of, of lungs, I feel like I'm not breathing. You know, I feel like, Oh, I'm really constricted. And so taking it, taking it off the, the sculpture was such a great feeling. So, yeah. So it's like, a, I think it's between intuition and just the feeling that something is enough or something is, is right. And of course, you know, you, you don't make 10 sculpture and they're all at the same level. But at the same time, life goes on. You make another, you make another work, you know. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, looking at um, silence, and you're, you're absolutely right about it's more. It's sort of more of a skeleton look. It's more bare, but it feels breathable. It feels like when I look at it, I can, um, yeah, just uh, just breathe more. There's a bit more space, and I think once you put in the cigarette packages, it would completely change the kind of interpretation or meaning, at least from my end, um, from the audience, whereas leaving it bare kind of leaves a little bit for the imagination, <laughs> a bit more room. For, yeah, yeah it, op it opens it opens to other people reading it in, in whatever, like I was saying again, like if you have some knowledge of art and if you've seen a lot of art, uh, you relate it a certain way. And if you've never seen sculptures before, art before, you kind of poke fun at it. I've seen people go there and just kind of knock it around, you know, like, because I, because I, I tied it on a piece of uh, fishing wire, and I and I just I mean fishing line, and I and I tack it to the wall, you know, on a, with a nail, and and people come, they flip it over, they're like, what the hell is this, you know, like, and they they kind of I don't know if they if they liked it or if they didn't like it, if they thought it was ridiculous that this is somehow deserve a wall space, you know, and then you have someone who actually like used to run in you know an art school and and come and say, wow, this is this is the first modern sculpture I've ever seen in Cambodia, you know? So you get that, you know, and it's just like, oh, wow. Oh, okay. I think you're onto something. I also think those people that didn't know what the hell it's about is onto something too, you know? So it's like, 
well, okay. It informs me to do like the next work, you know, somehow. Yeah, incredible. I think like with art um, and audiences, the publics, uh, all the different interpretations um, of a work of art is quite exciting. And I don't know if you know this information on the top of your head, but I wanted to know if um, there's a response or interpretation to your work that is interesting for you or probably the most remarkable response you've got so far to your work oh well yeah I mean it's it's pretty funny I mean you know uh, when I when I started out making sculpture I didn't have a proper studio you know so I was working outside pretty much the whole time um, in the sun you know we just had we just were fortunate that rent was cheap at the time and and you know I was yeah you know living like on a on the side of town, let's say that wasn't very pretty, but you know, to, to compensate for that, you do have a little a little garden, and uh, and you're able to uh, to just work outside, you know. Um, but uh, people would come by, like the uh, moto moto driver would would bring people over, and and they they just say, oh, "Aren't you bored to death?" <laughs> They said, they said, I can't, I, what is this? Like, why, what are you doing? You know, like you're, you're just tying bamboo with wires all day, like, you know, months in and months out, days in and days out. It's like, yeah, man, this is what I do. And I love it, you know. And they're like, I can't do this. I said, yeah, I can't do what you do either. You know, I can't be driving a motorbike around, bringing people around. I'd go crazy. I think I would have road rage. I would have all sorts of problems with my life. So, you know, that that's kind of interesting, you know, that it impresses them, yet they find it completely absurd. Um, and then as the years goes by, I think, I think people start to see it, you know, like, my way a little bit you know like wait i'm very insistent on this i don't need to cover it up i don't need to put color on it i don't need to do what i think i should do you know like i will decide that in some other work but not this one <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's interesting it's like why don't you cover it up i said no i won't i it doesn't need to be covered up it just feels i don't know my eyes is my eyes is, is, is sick. I have no idea. It's just, it, it finds this very good. I don't know, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I think people say that I kind of will, you know, I will my work to be, right. I will my sculpture to be sculptures, you know, like I just, I, what is that? Is that ignorance? Is that just stubborn? Is that, is that just like, total genius I have no idea maybe it's just a little bit of everything I suppose you know yeah I, I mean I, you know I think that that intuitive kind of sculpture making uh, art making that you do is um it's also really perceptive I would say because you you go about every day you notice the objects around you the people around you you have conversations and um I'd like to say that it's for at least looking at your works and having this conversation now um it does it just carries through to this idea of labor and a bit of endurance as well. Like what that guy said, um, you know, you, you, how do you do this all day long? And I, I wondered the same because I do feel like a lot of your sculptures are quite large um, and pretty complex. And I, I, whenever I look at it, I do sense um, 
well, hard work and endurance. And I also think, gosh, how does he do it? <laughs> um, and repeatedly. Well, you know what? You know, you know what? For me, for me, it's about it's about feeling free. You know, um, it's about feeling free. Like that's that's at the end of the day, like that's what it is. Like the process makes me free. And by that, I mean there are moments in time that you're working that you feel like, oh, I'm so grateful to be just doing absurd things like this. You know, like like it's not. You know, and listen, at that time I was I was so poor. I mean, you wouldn't believe how like hard life was. You know, but I felt like it doesn't matter, man. Your stomach is full, and you work. You know, and like you can just stand there for three, four hours at a time. You just drink water and you just work, you know. And those series of sculptures, like the first five, four or five years of my sculptural career, is like it was just a lot of suffering and a lot of joy, you know. Like the joy is in the working, the suffering is in the practicality. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh Jesus, like how poor can I be, you know? Um, you know, my mother, you know, my my. My mother, so, so I had some relative that came and see me, right? And where I was living at the time was on this, what's called Bangkok Lake. They, they, they had, you know, buried the lake now. Uh, but back then it was basically a sewage, you know, like a sewer for all the neighborhood. So everything goes into this lake. But I found it very beautiful. I mean, okay, if you live there for a while, you don't, you don't smell the water, you know, anymore because you kind of grow sensitized to it. But it's, it's just so beautiful to me. And I felt like, that was the right spot for me, you know, like, why would I be anywhere else? You know, I'm in the middle of the city. Uh, I have this huge vista. I got no neighbors in the water, you know, but I got neighbors on all sides with still, you know, my materials and my dogs and things like that. But okay, people have to do what they have to do to make a living. Um, but um, yeah, it's just moments of freedom that I get. I'm just enjoyment of, well, I just moved this down here and I moved that here. I twist it like this. I take a pair of pliers. I pull it. All right. I snip it off the loose ends. I twist it around. I twist it so that you don't feel it anymore or see the end anymore. You clamp it very tight in there. Okay. Next. <laughs> you do the same thing. Yeah. Okay. You twist it again. You roll it. Okay. And you just go through this, this, this monotonous, process and and you just start to feel like wow I'm just so damn lucky you know incredible freedom is probably not the first thing that comes into my mind when I look at your works but after hearing your story it makes so much sense and I do think that time and labor are so key to your practice and time in particular right being stretched and expanded when you're in the studio and making the sculptures and just being really immersed in the process um it's endurance really and i'm curious though do you ever experience something like road rage or just get really stressed out in the process how do you deal with this you know what i i mean i divide my days so that i don't have to think about uh I think when I was a painter, that happened a lot because you go, you just, you just hit a wall. And, you know, this, this relief work that I'm doing, you could say they're like paintings too. So it's a mentality of a painter. Uh, but I try to not be so combative about it, you know, just like, okay, well, I, I should be walking my dog right now or something, you know, like I, I should be feeding my fish or 
I should uh, be trimming my my tree branches or something. Like I I try to just say, all right, I'm, I'm I leave it alone for now. I, I I go do something else, you know, because I I, I you know I I have a, a pretty good environment where I live and where I work, so I don't feel so restricted to just seeing my work every time I get up, you know, like when I was in Bangkok Lake, I live in the studio. So even if there's just two sculptures in there, it's too many, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, shit, you know, like, I, you know, like this is not working and I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Nowadays, it's like, if it's not working, I just walk away, you know, and uh, do something else. There's always something that's working. I just need to just tend to it, you know. Um, so it's not just like, I'm not one of those artists that just make one work and then bring it to the end and then move on to the next work. I mean, that's just too many things to do. So life is short, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's with a lot of creative work and artistic work, taking a step back or even with writing, um, I experienced the same where I would just take a step back, go for a walk, come back still hate it maybe and then just take another step back but then you know there's always something to work with at the end of the day um and yeah just something to be a bit hopeful for i would love to see your studio and to see all the objects that you collect it looks like it could be in its own museum or gallery on its own um, it's just so fascinating your interests uh, with objects and just having multiple projects going on um yeah, I'd really love to go and visit your studio sometime. Sure, yeah. you're, welcome. you're welcome. You're welcome anytime. Um, well, I have this little section at the end of each episode where I ask a bit of a um, final question slash rapid fire questions. So I'm going to shoot them to you <laughs> and they're, they might be a bit difficult. So uh, the first question is, what does art mean to you? Uh, I think ultimately just being free. I think ultimately that's what you know, the body have limitation, knowledge have limitation, uh, relationship has limitation, but I think in art, there are moments of, of absolute freedom. And I don't, I think, uh, I think musicians go through the same thing. I think, uh, I think uh, fishermen go through the same thing, <laughs> you know, uh, more or less. Um, hikers go through the same thing, more or less. So I think it's, 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 Whatever it is about that that makes art art is that little is that little titty bitty of freedom that we get um, when we're looking at it or when we're working on it. You know, that's what art is to me. Beautiful. Um, and what are you feeling hopeful for in the future? That people educate themselves. Uh, that we we uh, we are more we are more sympathetic to each other. Uh, that we are less wasteful um, uh, and we are less greedy, you know. Uh, I think I think greed is the cause of all evil, you know. Um, so I don't think you have to be a, an extremist uh, in terms of what you want to do with your uh, idea of how you should live your life. Like I don't think you need we all need to be vegan, but I think we we certainly. Um, we should be more gentle to animals. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Alrighty. 
our last question uh, for the episode is what advice would you give to artists and creatives working in this time? And when I say in this time, um, I don't just mean the whole COVID situation. I know that's quite central, um, but also in the future and um, just in contemporary societies at the moment. Oh, uh, my goodness. Uh, you ask an artist to give advice to other artists? That's, that's, not, <laughs> that's not something I... <laughs> Yeah, I, I read your question a couple of times, like, oh, dear, uh, I'll wait if, if she forgets about that one. Oh. Uh, we can skip it. It's totally uh, fine. Well, I'll, I'll try. Hard I mean, question. I'm sure, I'm sure I'd be asked, asked you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be asked later. Um, study your craft, you know. Um, I mean, look yourself in the mirror and, uh, and study your craft. I, I such an abstract thing to say, but I, I don't know how else, what else I can say, you know, or give up, or give up that's right great. away. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. It's a great, I feel like that's, that's so true. A lot of um, self-reflecting and kind of taking a step back, as you said, is something that I find a lot of creatives are doing at this time. Trying to find inspiration is not, maybe not as easy as life before all of this lockdown situation, but as you said, there's always uh, a space to come back to, something to come back to whenever we well, take if a step I may, back. If I, if I may yeah, add I think, to that, yeah. I, I, uh, inspiration was never really been my go-to guide, you know, like that's not my uncle, you know, like I don't really believe in so much inspiration as I do believe in just kind of get up and work, you know what I mean? Because actually, if you wait for inspiration to strike, uh, you're going to go really hungry sometimes, you know? Um, so I, I think, I think I'm just, I feel like I'm just a lot of time. I feel like I, I, I lack abilities. <laughs> so I think that if I lack ability, maybe my inspiration should be, how do I get some more abilities? You know, like, <laughs> oh, that's you know a good way I mean? to put like, it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know how to do something, yeah. I think the inspiration be, how do I learn how to do that thing? You know, and not, what do I do with that thing? More like, how do I get to do it? How do I learn how to do it? You know. So I think, I think seeking knowledge will take care of that whole inspiration uh, propaganda. You know. Cool. Well, that's the great advice. I feel like that's ah, the advice okay. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of people have have struggled with that finding inspiration, creativity, and you're absolutely right. It's well, um, not really getting stuck on that, right? It's really as you said, um, trying to get knowledge on it and that's, that's the work. That's try the your best to do it right there. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. Well, thank you, Sophie. This has been such an energizing discussion. Um, always great to know more about your work, to learn about your process, your thinking, your endurance, and your obsession with objects, which I just find really admirable. And I don't think I can look at um, cigarette boxes or <laughs> bottle caps the same way again. I feel like I want to collect oh, them yeah, too. Yeah, you should. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> You'd be amazed how many bottle caps are strewn around when you go looking for them. Yeah. 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 That's right. Even here in Australia, that's the same, uh, the same thing. I mean, people don't litter, but you know, you see cigarette yeah. butts a lot <laughs> on the streets, and you just notice um, all these random objects. But thank you, Sophie. You're it's welcome. A great. Yeah. yeah great okay. conversation. Good talking um, to you. And yeah, hoping to visit you soon. Absolutely. Welcome anytime. Thank you.
wow, that was an incredible conversation. Sophie's practice and art-making process are so intuitive and expansive. One of the most inspiring lessons I got from our conversation is about trusting the process and the journey, and allowing time for ideas and possibilities to grow and expand. Much of what we do creatively is also so embedded to our everyday surroundings, the people, the streets, the communities, the objects around us. I absolutely loved this conversation, and I learned so much about cultivating my own creative process and to always trust the journey wherever it may take us. You can find Sopeep online on his website at sopeep-peak.com. You can also find out more about the artist and his artworks on Talking Contemporary Instagram at talking.contemporary and on our website talkingcontemporary.com. If you have an artist or creative you'd like to hear from in our future episodes, please send an email to hello at talkingcontemporary.com. Talking Contemporary Podcast is hosted by me, Bianca Winata Putri, and produced by Regan Susanto, Adela Saputra, Stefani Susanto, and Trivita Winata Putri. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.